Good morning. All right, then. Get your Bible turned to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, looking at verse 10 here in a minute. All you guys that are going to go to Honduras in February and help build a mission house for Jeff Kennedy and Family Builders International, whereby we're building houses in Honduras for people living in shacks. Uh, we need uh, to know that you're going with us, and that $100 non-refundable deposit for the airline ticket is due next Sunday. So I won't say any more about that. I know I talked about that in the meeting uh, last week, but just for in just to remind you guys, uh, just to make sure this time next Sunday. Well, I want to talk about something that I found studying this past week that I thought was really interesting. An interesting statement, and it is the title and the text of this message this morning. It says this, and though we own nothing, everything is ours. Think about that for a minute. And though we own nothing, everything is ours. How can that be? How can that statement be? Hmm. Contemporary English puts it this way, Verse 10 reads, and we are always happy, even in times of suffering. And although we are poor, we have made many people rich. And though we own nothing, everything is ours. Now, in the text, Paul is telling the the people at the church in Corinth about the high cost to him personally to bring them the gospel. So... We all know that salvation is free, right? Salvation doesn't cost anything to receive. But you need to understand, salvation is very expensive. It costs Jesus everything. And the gospel message is very expensive to further. Did you know that? It costs a lot of money to spread the gospel message all around the world. It takes a lot of resource, not just money. But resource could be defined as any tangible thing that could be used to propagate another. So it could be it could be money. It could be time. It can be effort. It can be ability, whatever that is, whatever that is at the disposal of the individual to use towards something would be considered a resource. So when we say resources, we're not just talking about money. It costs a lot of resources to get the gospel message to the world. It just does. It's an expensive, enormous cost. In fact, there are brothers and sisters of ours right now in Syria, Iran, other countries who are paying the ultimate price for the gospel to be preached with their lives. More people are being beheaded and crucified right now than probably any other time in the history of the church. You read about church history and you think, well, those people back in the uncivilized days were atrocious. I'm telling you, the uncivilized people of today are worse than they've ever been. Because basically, it just means that the devil is really doing his job. It costs a lot of resources to defeat the enemy. It takes everything that God has. But the cost is not too high. 
And the good news is that even though it will cost enormously, God will supply all the resources needed to get it done. And that's what this verse is about. And so for the next few minutes, what I'm going to try to do is I'm going to establish two points with you, two truths. And then I'm going to lay out for you quickly in the next few minutes after that what three things that means to you if you identify with those two truths. Clear as mud? I want you to understand that according to the word, we own nothing. Everything in all of creation belongs to God. The air you're breathing right now, you did not create nor purchase. It is not your air. It's God's air. The clothes you're wearing, the food you eat, the house you live in, the car you drive, the chair you sit in at work, all of those things that you sell at the garage sale, have fun selling God's stuff. And it's okay that you can do that. In fact, he wants you to enjoy that. It's always been amazing to me how that we think we're doing God a service when we tithe because we give back to him what was his and it's like we've done something big. It's like a little child giving a penny back to their parents after the parents give them a dime. And the little kid's saying, look what I did. I'm something special. And the mom and dad are like, that's great. Proud of you. But it was my dime. God owns everything. But the second thing I want you to understand is that everything is ours. And in parentheses, if we're a child of God. And that's the key. That's the key to understanding how this verse works. So, so, so here's what you have. All around you, you see people every day that are clamoring to possess things that are not theirs. The ideology of this world is to be born, get as smart as you can, and grab everything and hold on to everything you can until you die. What a wasted existence. I had to get Deb to take a picture. I've told you about this before, but one time we were traveling and we saw, we literally, I told her, I, saw, I was coming up on, I said, quick, grab your camera, and get some pictures, get some video. We saw a hearse pulling a U-Haul trailer. I said, nobody's told him yet. That was good, Pam. <laughs> I know when I get Pam to laugh out loud, I hit on one. <laughs> like, nobody told him. Where are you going? What are you going to do when you get to the cemetery? Just park it on top of the grave. But the church on the other side realizes that everything is God, but it's all at our disposal to do his will. Now, a lot of Christians don't get this. A lot of immature Christians, get they never get past this. They say, okay, I'm a child of God. I'm going to claim the promises of God. Everything in the word is a promise to me. So now I'm going to walk around the rest of my life blabbing and grabbing. You ever heard of that? 
philosophy and religion. I'm going to name it and claim it. There's a lot of people that are out there say, well, I'm a Christian. Everything is God, so that means everything is mine. I want a new car. I want a new house. I want some new clothes. And they don't get it, folks. If you need a new car and a new house and those clothes in order to do God's work and his will and his word, then you'll have them. But if you just want them because you're a little bratty child, then mom and dad may decide you're not mature enough for that yet. Hmm. So that's it. That's why we teach tithing and generosity and sharing and missions and all these things. Because God has taught us the principle over the years and we're living our lives by it. That nothing is ours. But we're living by the verses where Jesus himself said in Matthew chapter 6 verse 31. Therefore do not be anxious saying what shall we eat or what are we going to drink or how are we going to be clothed. For the nations seek after those things. But your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all those things. So seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all those other things will be added unto you. It's a great way to live your life. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all the other things will be added to you. If I live for my own desires and my own lusts and my own goals, then I'm going to spend my life being miserable trying to lay claim to things that could never be mine. But on the other hand, if I die to myself and to my desires and I live as unto Christ, then I'm going to, I am literally going to be full of joy giving away all of God's stuff that I could never possess anyway. It is such a wonderful and free way to live life. To understand I don't own anything. But anything that comes my way. Is either for me to use or give to someone else. And I'm going to try to give everything that God has away. Now as a parent. If your kid did that. You wouldn't be real happy. You come home and your stuff's out in the yard. And neighbors are lined up. And their things are going down the side. And you say to your kid, what are you doing? They say, well, you know what? I'm just practicing what we preach. I gave away your chair, dad. And I gave away your dishwasher, mom. And I gave away your bed. There's nothing in the house. But man, a lot of happy folks are going down the street. We've made a lot of friends in the neighborhood this week. That wouldn't make you happy. But that very thing does make God happy. And you know why? Because God sees all of this as just the wherewithal to do what he wants to do. His goal is that every person should be saved. And he is going to expend every resource he has in order to see that that gets done. And when he's done that, you know what he's going to do with what the stuff is that we're fighting over? Burn it. With a fervent heat. Next time it won't be a flood, it'll be a fire. It's all going to burn. Why? Because God doesn't care. About the things that are so important to us. He cares so little about it. He just wanted to make a point. When you get to heaven. Do you know what the streets are going to be made of. That you're going to walk on? Gold. We're walking on it there. No big deal to him. It's all at his disposal. How freeing it is when we understand. That if we could just become a funnel. Where God would say, now I found an individual that no matter how much I bless them with, they just give more. And when he finds those people, he dumps on them. So the first thing that I want us to understand before we go any further this morning. Is that anything I give for the kingdom is not lost or gone. It's being invested 
And then the principle can come into play where that Jesus can bless, break, and multiply it. We'll talk about that in a minute a little bit more. So here's how the verse works. We we don't own anything. God owns everything. But if we're investing in his kingdom according to his will, way, and word, then the whole world's resources are ours to use for him. As soon as I die to my kingdom and I wake up to his, that statement will bring me great joy. It is very freeing. Now, having established that, I want to move on to to what this looks like in your individual life. So I believe, number one, that everything is God's, but yet he wants us to use it for his purpose. That's the first thing I want you to understand. The second thing I want to understand is that you're all here for a specific reason. What's that have to do with the other? You'll see in a minute. Every person born on the earth is here for the specific time they are here with a specific purpose and calling on their life. Not everyone is called to do what I do. Not everyone is called to business. Not everyone is called to politics. And somebody said, amen. Not everyone is a politician, a lawyer, or a preacher. But we're all called to something. So the question is, what are you here to do? And have you been struggling with that question? And if you're struggling with that question, is it because you want to be called to something else? Some people are struggling with the question because they want to be, they know what they're called to. They just want to be called to something else. Is that your struggle? So you have to die to yourself. That's why we talk about that. Because once you die to yourself, you will become happy and joyful over the call on your life. Dying to yourself is first. Last thing I ever wanted to be, guys, was a preacher. You know how many people got socked in the nose because they told me I was going to be a preacher just like my dad when I grew up? I said, I'll never be a preacher. I'll be anything but a preacher. And I was a lot of other things. Turns out I'm a preacher. Whether you think a good one or not, that's on you, but still yet. So die to yourself first, and then surrendering to his will is second. And I, and I just want to just take... Take a, take a step off here for just a second and just say something. I want to speak more specifically to you. Next few minutes may sound more like a job fair. But God may have put you on this planet to own a business. Because he wanted you to be an individual that supplies finance for the kingdom or know-how in your area of expertise. God may have you here as an educator. God may have put you here to teach children or youth or college students because you're preparing them for their callings later on in life. God may have you here to be a politician. Maybe you're supposed to be on a school board or city council or state senate. You're supposed to be here to govern according to his word. God may have you here to be a mama at home. He called you, he placed you on this planet to be a mama at home, raising up her children to be the next generation's leaders, presidents, whomever that might be. 
God may have put you on this planet to work in a factory or on a construction site because he knows how effective that you'll be working around people and in situations that other people are not geared for. And he knows that you could make a huge difference and be an amazing witness. God may have put you here to be a minister or a counselor or a funeral director or a truck driver or a computer tech or an engineer or an architect or any number of things because God puts all of those on this planet and puts them in places where that they are uniquely called and gifted and equipped to do what they do with excellence for his purpose. But it's not until you die to yourself that you can be okay with why you're here. Did you hear that? It's not until you die to yourself that you can be okay with why you're here. Because up until that point, you're going to keep saying, I'm trying to find my purpose. I'm trying to find God's will. God's saying, I've already shown you. But you're saying, I'm not happy with that because I wanted to be. I wanted to. Don't do that. Don't ever want to be somebody else. Desire to be who God created you. Desire to do what God put you here to do. Because we're all here to be and do something different. He wants you to be who he created you to be. Okay, now we've established two things. Number one, everything is God's. And number two, every person is uniquely, specifically created to do something. Are we good with that so far? Now, if we can get to the place where that we are okay with those two things, then we can move forward and the rest of this message applies. Because the verse that we're talking about today won't work until we get those two things established. First of all, everything is God's. Number, secondly, you're here for a specific reason and you're good with that and you're ready to pursue that, right? We good? Got those two things? Then you're going to need these three truths. Realize these three truths. Number one. You will have everything you need when you need it. If you're, if you're in the place that God has called you to be, doing what God has called you to do, then regardless of what that means, if you're a mama at home and, and you don't have what you need at home to take care of the babies, I promise you, you will have what you need. If you're on the job, if you're in the medical field, Wherever you are, at the point you are in need, you will have what you need to do what you need to do. Why? Because the resources are available. They're here. You say, but other people have them. No, they don't. Other people are fighting for them, but they're not theirs. Well, this rich guy's got all this money, he won't turn loose, but it don't matter. God will get what he wants, where he wants it, when he wants it, to who he wants it. Well, I need this right now in order to do this in this thing that God's called me to do. Okay. Then you'll have it. You will have it. Now, you won't just wake up one day with it. It's going to be like the manna. You remember the manna? How that every day the 
children of Israel would get up and the manna would be there fresh, but they couldn't collect extra because if they collected extra, it'd be rotten by the next morning. You remember that? It was God's way of teaching them to live in faith. So God was saying, every day, you're going to count on me. Every day when you wake up, it'll be there. Don't get too much. Don't get more than you need. But every day when you get up, it'll be, that's the story of the manna. That's why the story is there. So we can understand the principle. I have a job to do. I don't know how I'm going to do it tomorrow. We got through today, but I don't know how we're going to, anybody ever said that? I don't know how we're going to get through tomorrow, but we got through today. But we'll, and somehow you get through tomorrow and somehow you get through the next day and somehow you get through the next day. And in that, you end up with all these stories of, wow, we didn't know how we were going to pay this bill. We didn't know how we were going to do this. And we went and checked the mailbox or something, right? That's why that happens that way. It's God's way of showing that he supplies all the resource needed to do what you're supposed to do if you're trying to do it for him. Now, if you were just saying, I want a new car and I'm going out to the mailbox, God, you said in your word, it better be a check, then you're going to live a disappointed life. But if you need a van to bring little children to Sunday school, then you'll have a van. I didn't even have it in my notes, but great story to perfectly illustrate that. I was using a little Ford Taurus, and I had a van route up in Fort Smith. I was bringing little kids to church every week. I was bringing 13 kids in my car. And so the way I did that is I would stack them two deep in the back seat. There'd be eight in the back. And then I'd put two or three in the front seat, and I'd let one or two ride on my lap while I drove. One day, one of the little kids said, we need a van. I said, that's a great idea. You guys start helping me pray for a van. You should have seen those children a couple weeks later when I showed up with our new van. They come running out. They're in the yard jumping up and down. Look what God did. I mean, they were all in the yard. God gave us a van. He always does. Why would he not? Those little kids wanted to know about Jesus. They wanted to bring their friends. Why would he not give them a van when he owns every van on the planet? He put it where he wants it. Number two, well, let me just say this before I get to number two. God never gave us a lot of money to work with. God just gave us a huge vision to work with. And we have found that money always follows vision. I stood for years and prayed for large amounts of money. When I pastored this church early on in the early years, I used to pray all the time. God give us a million dollars. You know, and God never gave us huge amounts of money. He never did that. But God always gave us huge amounts of vision. And when we shared vision, the money always came in. That's how it's always worked. It was never the money there. I'm telling you right now, we never hired a staff person here that we could afford. Doesn't it make you feel good about how we run the business? We never hired a staff person that we could afford. But the Lord said, you need to do something in a certain ministry. He said, okay, God. And we'd hire them, and then we'd never missed one time being able to pay their paycheck. Our budgets every year are unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. It's just, it doesn't even make sense. We, we meet this time of year every year, September, October. We start planning next year's budget. We start saying, here's what we're going to do. And we look at it, and we're like, well, man, that's going to take 10 12% more income next year than we brought in this year. And that was a huge miracle last year. We're like, well, yeah, but does God want us to do it? Yep. Well, I guess he'll supply So we stretch out the tent stakes and we drive them in even further and we start operating under a budget that makes absolutely no sense. That's why we only show it to you once a year. You think I can live with that kind of pressure?
And then every month we keep meeting and I look at Brian on the way to the deacon meeting. And he says, well, I don't know how, but we did it again. We brought in more than we spent. Really? How is that possible? And it just happens over and over and over and over. And he always reminds me, but now you don't get excited, Pastor, because there's a lot of money that hadn't been spent yet. But there's a lot that has and there's more coming, Brian. Well, yeah, but last year, you know, this is what I said. It don't matter if we need it. There'll be a check in the mail. And there has been. If we need it, well, we're like $15,000 behind meeting budget. Okay, then just expect here in the next few days. And that's the way the Lord works because none of us are stretching these budgets so that we can have new shoes and new cars and new cell phones. That's not the way it works. We're going after people and as we go after the souls of people according to the will, way, and word of our God, He supplies everything that we need to get it done every time. Number two, here's what you're going to need to know though. First, you're going to, you'll have everything you need. But secondly, you need to know this. You will have to initiate the process. We'd learn that too. It's God's will and purpose, but you're not just going to wake up with it done. He'll equip you, but you got to be the one putting forth the effort. So that means if you want to go in, you feel like God's calling you into a specific area of some kind of business or ministry or whatever that might be. You can't just, you know, you can't just be a kid that said, I feel like God called me and put me on a plan to be a doctor. And I'm going to pray about it and sit right here until somebody gives me my doctorate and gives me my degree and gives me my practice. Well, then you will never get any of that. It's not going to happen. You're going to go to school, hon, for a long time. Get your mind right. And it's going to be a drag and it's going to stink sometimes and you're going to hate it. But someday you're going to find yourself, wake up, and you're going to be where you saw yourself being. I saw myself at 12 years old right here doing what I'm doing right now when I was 12. But it didn't just happen overnight. 22 years ago, Deb and I came, 1993. We spent two years before 93 hearing the voice of God saying we were going to go to Fayetteville. And I tried every place I could. I knocked on doors. Guys, I, I, I tried to, since the Lord told me Fayetteville, I tried to go to Fayetteville. Let me tell you how I worked. I, since the Lord said I was going to go to Fayetteville, I tried to go to Fayetteville, Little Rock, England, Fort Smith. Because that's how we do. Man, I had resumes going. I was meeting with people. I'm ready to pastor. I'm 30. I want to be a pastor. Nobody will give me a shot. And God is saying, I told you you're going to go to Fayetteville. All right, that's fine, God. I'll go to Fayetteville. Right now, i got to get to Tarshish. We'll get around to Fayetteville after a while. Right now, i got to get to Tarshish. That's stuff i got to do. I can't wait on you. Let's go. It's even in the mistakes, it's even in the knocking on the wrong doors that you end up where you're supposed to be. Because if you just sit down and wait, nothing comes to those who wait. I don't care what it says. I don't care what the rhyme says. Things come to people who get up and knock. Things happen for people that move. When they get to dead ends, dead ends force them in other directions. And it is that the ends of those dead ends in other directions that they end up finding where they were supposed to be. They would have never gotten there if they hadn't started moving somewhere. You're going to get where you're supposed to be, but not by sitting down and waiting. You will have to initiate this process. And number three, 
you'll have to make the first investment. God always pays great dividends in the future. But I'm going to tell you something right now. The initial money, effort, time is going to be yours. Because we've learned it. He only blesses, breaks, and multiplies what we give him. If we give him, I mean, if we, all we have is a couple of fish and loaves and we give that to him, amen, he can do miracles with it, can he? Whatever we give him, that's what he can work with. We don't give him anything. He don't have much to bless, break, and multiply in our life, does he? But so we try to give him everything we've got because the more we give him, the more he has to work with. And look what he can do with just a few loaves and fish. My lands, what could he do with the whole life? What could he supply? And so we make the first investment. And then God stretches those things and miraculously provides. And usually he leaves us with more than enough to reimburse the investment. But not necessarily. I'm saying the reason I'm telling you that is and I cert- please forgive me, I certainly don't mean this in any kind of an arrogant way. And I could use anybody else in the church and leadership to make the statement, I suppose. But I'm going to tell you right now that if you go far enough back in this church over the last 20 years to any ministry that you're enjoying, I invested a lot in that at some point. You say, you didn't do nothing for women's ministries. Mm, I did. You didn't do nothing for the youth. Mm, yeah, I did. It may have been before you got here. You may not remember it because it may have been before you were here. But you pick about anything you want to pick. You think about anything you want to think about that happened around here in the last 22 years. You get back there far enough and you're going to find that Darren and Deb spent a lot of money and a lot of time, a lot of prayer. Before at some point God sent someone that they could turn that to. And very, very glad and grateful to turn it and to let whomever get the glory for the rest of the years. We don't care about that at all. But what we care about was the fact that at some point the Lord said, you need to do this. And we say, okay, Lord, I'll throw the vision out. I'll see who's interested. I'll go get some training. I'll, I'll spend some money. I'll start praying. I'll, I'll, and that's the way that it works. I'm talking about whatever you do, whatever it is. If it's in your business, if it's a ministry, whatever it is, I'm telling you, a lot of you are sitting around trying to fill out reimbursement forms. You're saying, you know, I knew some guys in, in, at the church, at, at the church level in pastoral ministry. Man, I mean, every time that they, had, they went to the hospital, they jumped in the church van because they didn't want to burn their own gas. That's fine because it was within the rules, I guess. But there's some guys that just think that way. I'm getting ready to go take so and so to dinner. I'm going to spend. I'm going to spend the church money instead of. You know how many how many lunches and dinners and meetings and things that that we pay for out of our own personal pocket. Why would we do that instead of seeking a reimbursement? Why would we do that? Because I know that it's not mine anyway. I'm going to get it back. I'm going to get it back bigger, and I'm going to get to see something I wouldn't get to see. It's not about what I've lost. It's what I invested and returned. It's fun to me. Have you ever known any of these people that you go to lunch with them? They're like, well, I bought last time. It's your turn. Here's the ticket. Have you ever known anybody like that? Don't point at them. They don't need to embarrass them right here in church. But I'm going to tell you something. I can't remember who owes me lunch. I don't care. I'm having fun blowing God's money. You want to go to lunch, holler at me. I'll pay for it. 
I won't even use a church card. I'm having fun with spending God's money. Because, now that works unless you go with KD. And he's a sneaky devil, I guarantee you. That man got credit cards. I mean, they just come from all over the place. Tammy, you don't even know what's going on when you're not around. (laughs) Wow. I hang close to Katie. But it's fun. It's fun if you take on a generous spirit and just bless people. Just start doing it. Just start buying groceries for people in line at Walmart. Just, just, just Just start buying gas for people at the pump. I mean... Well, you say, well, that's crazy. I can't afford to do that kind of stuff. If this word applies to you, then you can do whatever the Holy Spirit speaks to your heart. I'm not telling you to go nuts. I'm saying if the Holy Spirit tells you to do something, you can afford to do it. You can afford not to do it. Obedience is better than sacrifice. So I'm going to finish this. I know I've been preaching a long time, but I'll wrap it up in a minute. I know I got to do it again in just a little while. Following letter was found in a baking powder can. It was wired to the handle of an old pump out in the Nevada desert. And I'll read it to you. It went like this. He said, this pump is all right as of June 1932. I put a new sucker washer into it, and it ought to last five years. But the washer dries out, and the pump has got to be primed. Now, under the white rock, I buried a bottle of water out of the sun, cork up. There's enough water in that to prime the pump, but not if you drink some first. So pour about one-fourth and let her soak to wet the leather. And then pour in the rest medium fast and pump like crazy. And you'll get water. The well has never run dry. Have faith. When you get watered up, fill the bottle and put it back like you found it for the next feller. Signed, Desert Pete. P.S. Don't go drinking the water first. Prime the pump with it and you'll get all you can hold. I love how the... Folks of this church are always so far ahead of me. You get it, don't you? We always have to prime the pump with our own tears and prayers and time and resources and work. And when we do all of these things that we're talking about today, this text comes to pass. When I'm dead to me, I'm alive to him. I'm sold out to his purpose. I'm committed to carrying out. Then 2 Corinthians 6 and 10 says, And though we own nothing Everything is ours. That's what those few words mean. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word. I know you're speaking in someone's heart today and probably on several different levels. Lord, to some of us, you're talking to us about just our general attitude of of how we deal with resources in our life. You're dealing with us on that level. Other people, Lord, you're dealing with this on the level of have I really made peace with my calling and am I doing everything that I can to fulfill that or am I still trying to get myself another calling? So maybe you're dealing with this on that level. Then, Lord, for those who have grappled with those two issues and have settled them, they find themselves now with these next three. It's where they are. 
saying, I really feel in my heart like God told me to do something. I really feel like this is what he wants me to do. But I just haven't had the money or the time or the people to pull it off. So I've just been waiting and praying. And God is saying to us today, you got to move. You got to move. Help us to understand, Lord, we'll have what we need when we need it. But we'll have to initiate the process and we will have to make the first investment. But then, Lord, you will do. You will do according to your word. Your promises are true. And though we have nothing, yet everything is ours. What a freeing statement. How much joy does that bring me to know today? That God, if I need something that is up in the atmosphere to do what you want me to do, you'll provide it. God, if I need something that's in another country right now, if I need a resource that I'm not even aware of and it's halfway around the world right now, you will bring it or you will create it in order for us to do what we're here to do. Lord, I'm appreciative of this word for what it means to our church, but God, the way that works is with us as individuals. We have to understand it individually, not just me understanding this and pass this down, but God as a church, as every, every one of us, whether we work in the home or out of it, or we're a student, or wherever we're at at this moment in time, if we could grasp the truth of this word, it would revolutionize the way we live our lives. Not telling us to go out and make dumb financial decisions. You're just telling us to listen to your Holy Spirit and not be afraid to act upon it. Boost our faith today, Lord. Now sitting in the seats. Whatever this word means to you right now, receive it into your spirit. Just receive it into your spirit. I want to take, I know it's a little different, and it doesn't sound like much, but it's going to seem like it when it's quiet. Neil's going to sing, but we're going to take, we're going to take about two or three minutes and not do anything except for we're going to sit here and let you just listen. Don't talk to the Holy Spirit. I want you to, next three minutes while he's singing his song, I want you just to sit there and listen to the Holy Spirit and ask him what he wants to say to you about this word. And then we'll respond. Neil, would you lead us?